There are three of you sat there. Most of these interviews, when we have designers and it's just one, talk to me about how this works. We actually work in a very traditional way. The, the only difference um, between us and, and most companies of our size is that there are three people standing at the fore when the credit comes. Mm. But the, 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 with each of us, there are, we've got skills, expertise and strengths, weaknesses that everyone would need in a company of our size to, to um, succeed. Mm. And so, in fact, our roles are very traditional. The way to, that we normally break it down, in the, mo um, the most e um, simplistic way to put it, is that I, I start, I instigate, and so I will start the ball rolling and create the initial ideas. Then I'll hand over to Sid, who will then make those ideas um, three-dimensional and real, and then, then it will be handed over to Gazette, who controls how we're seen in the outside world. Mm. But though, what, um, those, it's a const, uh, but it is a constant um, conversation between the three of us. One thing we don't do, though, is we do not design by committee, and we're not like the Waltons, you know. That, that and so we we do disagree, and we do we do have differing opinions. But the um, it's the a, a conversation between us. But we we each have our strengths and weaknesses, which mm. we play to. And also, we tend to look at it that we are employed by the brand, so we kind of we work towards working for sibling. So um, that also makes it easier because, you know, the three of us all have our, our own characters and our own ideas for the label. Mm. But in the end, if it doesn't work for the brand, then we'll drop an idea or we'll redo it or something like that. And that helps. I think mm. it helps keeping the brand quite strong. And it means our ego is contained within the brand. Sure. We don't have, is our personal egos don't, don't ever come into battle because our, our, the ego is, is siblings' ego and we work to, to encourage and nurture that. It's interesting to me, um, Joe, what you're saying about sort of this idea of ego because you've said in interviews before, you know, sort of you didn't want to design under all your names. It want, you wanted to That was a very definite initial, yeah. like one of the first decisions that we made after that initial decision to do something mm. is that the second decision after doing something was we didn't want it to be named after any of us. Except mm. for some people think it's siddling. Yeah. When we first started. <laughs> they were like, siddling? It was and like, you no. Someone and said to me like, siddlers, right? exactly. <laughs> Which of course Sid encourages. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But exactly. why, why siddling? Talk to me about that name because it's an incredibly striking name. It was, it was very straightforward and it came very quickly um, because we wanted the um, it to sound inclusive and not excluding and um, so we wanted it to, to feel like a bit of a gang. I'm intrigued I think it, it's probably again a question you get asked a lot but which came first this desire to work together as a three and to do something together or was it a desire to do something to rejuvenate men's knitwear because there's they're kind of two very sort of core reasons behind yeah. sibling. When we first um, like worked on sibling it was to also fill holes in our own wardrobes sure. um, and um, <clears throat> so there was this idea that we were just doing it for ourselves I mean it was um, a very sort of selfish reason for for doing something but we didn't do it you know we launched out of a, out of fashion week it was um, actively it was not a commercial enterprise yeah. that we, we ventured into initially. Which is always mm. a good way to start a business. <laughs> <laughs> like all the samples were 
based on Joe. So they weren't, like, even our samples weren't sample size. Mm. We even went, you know, completely to that huge. way. They were huge. <laughs> but I'm huge. But it was that thing that I, I wasn't going to create anything that I couldn't wear, and I can't fit into sample sizes. So I became the sample size. <laughs> Sid can fit into sample sizes, and so, so can It's like a dress. I so I won. <laughs> I, I was yeah. the new sample size. <laughs> you always win. <laughs> I love, you say you always win. I'm interested because you, you guys are such a joy to how you communicate with each other, but do you fight a lot? No, we disagree a lot, but mm. we, we never fight. It's a joy to work with each other because we share, we absolutely have no doubt, we share absolutely the same goals. Mm. And it's rare in any work environment that you have that, that you may have people that you get on with and not, but people shift and move in careers mm. and because your, your goal is is at least 50% selfish wherever you're working because it's you're, you're working on your own career and you're working on where you're going to move to next or where you're going to move to next in the company. But of course, that we've got the joy of that we know 100% that we're all focused on identical, the identical mm. goal. It's, it's hard work and it's tiring and you get emotional and there are times when you just can't cope anymore. But uh, with, with us three, there's no point when systems go down. Mm. Because if, if two are on the floor crying, there's always one left standing <laughs> that can take the, the helm at that point and, and move forward. So we are never standing still. And God forbid, we're never stepping back. And it's not just your setup that's different, but also I feel like your work has a very sort of specific, quite a particular feel to it. It's very easy for people to misread our work because our work is, is you know, very positive and it can, it can look very light on the surface sure. and that's absolutely on purpose. You know, we, we absolutely want it to be enthusiastic and positive and, mm. and all those things, but it doesn't mean that the work is any less cerebral and that the concepts are any less mm. rounded than any of your dark, deep searching, <laughs> you know, in fact, that we I, I consider our works that our work to be that further developed from that because mm. we try not to ram our concept down people's throats because the concept isn't for the people. The concept is for us to produce our work, yeah. and you know, um, and so I think people can perhaps have a perception that our work is shallower than and than it is because we are very willing for it to look light-hearted. Um, because we want the outlook to be positive and sparkly and, and mm. fun, but the investigation is as deep as if it was about suicides of nuns. You know, that it, <laughs> it doesn't have to be bleak <laughs> to be deep. Why is it so important to you, though, that it does feel so optimistic? Because oh, we life's, are. Life's tough enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell. You know, that it's, it's the... It, and I think it's something to do with our maturity as well, you know, because we're, you know, we're, we're a bit older than most, most people in the companies at, at, at yeah. our level. And I too was, was the bleakest, darkest, most miserable goth of a teenager. <laughs> so it's not that we haven't been through that, it's just that we're not there, we're not there now. And that is so, so vital to what we do. Mm. It's that, it, oh, it's, I can't understand why anyone wouldn't want to work like that. But... 10 years ago, I wouldn't have worked like that. Mm. You know, I'd have been deep dolly and, you know, if it, if it wasn't, you know, if it, if it wasn't about s s slaughtering of, of, you know, of... Innocence. Of, innocence, <laughs> then it, it wouldn't have been, or if it wasn't offending somebody, or if it wasn't shocking somebody, they wouldn't have been doing their job. But we, we take those passions and those same passions, and we, but we just steer them in a different direction. We're as passionate and as 
um, determined to 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 give a message across, but that message is one of positivity and fun and apparent life. Anyone, anyone that knows us knows that there is a very very serious business behind what we do, and we are we are definitely not doing this for the fun of it. You mm. know, it, it's it's about building a brand. You know, a very very. Um, we hope a uh, significant brand that's going to make you know a real difference and build a future. Not actually fun being a designer, especially when you're starting a new brand. It's incredibly no. tough, isn't it? Talk Absolutely. to me a bit about that because I think people who watch who watch these interviews think that being a designer is glamorous and exciting, but it's very time consuming. It costs a lot of money. There are a few rewards at the start. Aren't it's there? it's very very hard work. I mean, even I think as you as you carry on, because as you as the business grows and as what we're finding now, actually as the business grows, the workload becomes more, and mm. you become and you you find yourselves under more and more pressure. So actually, those pressures that you have in the beginning, when you're really wanting to do something and make a difference within this industry, are hard enough. But actually, as as success um, happens, then. It becomes more increased. Mm, you've, yeah. like we were saying, you know, you've, you've really got to love it. It's not easy, and you know, we we never feel like we have to fight this um, fight with people who think that fashion is frivolous and that mm. you know it's so, it's so glamorous and you go to parties and you drink champagne mm. and you wear nice clothes and all that sort of thing. I mean, because we did last <laughs> night. <laughs> Every now and again, you do, which is fabulous, but. Um, Oh, I don't know. It's it's it's. Um, but it's, it's also hard. not digging ditches in the middle of winter. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. The, the, the Sydney are from very working class backgrounds, mm. and the the thing is that get, give me my job every day over working yeah. for the the whole of your life in a crappy factory that do monotonous, unrelenting work that no one gives you any credit for. Yeah. You're being in pittance home to raise a family. Give me being a fashion designer every day. It's mm. in hard work. But it's not digging ditches in the middle of winter. Yeah. Let's not forget exactly. that. Exactly. Let's talk more about your backgrounds because we talked a lot about the president, and I want to know where because you, you're from sort of incredibly interesting backgrounds. And, and from reading interviews before, it seems like for a lot of you, the so your first interaction or excitement with fashion came from something that your parents were wearing or, or doing. Just tell me all of you when, when you first became excited by clothing or style. I came from a shockingly normal background. It was very. I lived in the almost geographically the centre of England, Leicester, in a very suburban area where everyone's parents around did the same jobs as my parents. Everyone's mum worked in hosiery, everyone's dad worked in engineering. And so I, I didn't come from a, a, a it, was, it was just absolutely, wondrously average, my, my <laughs> upbringing, um, for all it's good and it's bad. Um, but they were both, they were both peacocks. That there were, um, my mother used to go to work in a factory looking like Diana Dawes. And um, um, my dad used to come home from the, um, from the factory and get dressed up to go out each night looking wondrous. Still to this day is all cravatted up and everything. Very, um, very camp for a butch man, that, um, for a rugby player. But yeah, that's, I, that's, that's where I got my taste. Yeah, and mine's actually pretty, pretty similar. Um, I think um, Joe and I both share very flamboyant parents. I've in, in fact inherited in some fact, of your dad's Yeah, book. exactly, <laughs> exactly. I mean, my, my parents, I, I come from a different background and uh, my sort of uh, up until about the age of eight, I actually grew up in London. Um, but both my parents were very much around musicians and actors and models and, and fashion. I mean, my mum was dressing me in Bieber when I was tiny. So there was a lot, um, you know, t 
to do about you know fashion and clothing and but buying well mm. and then my father was just a complete like clothes freak um would buy Claude Montana I mean this was in the 80s so thought nothing of you know wide leg leather trousers and a matching blues on but <laughs> it always meant I could see where my father was I could see him like striding down Knightsbridge there he would be in this like you know silk habitai full-length trench coat um but it it's you know what it installed in in me was just a real love of of really well-made clothing mm. um and then also I was this height um from about the age of 13 14 so um my mum would make me a lot of clothes because I just couldn't fit into stuff from Miss Selfridge I just wasn't you know normal height or or and it was a total bean pole as well so it's so. your turn um, I'm just trying to think where on earth it came from I I had yours came from craft yeah I grew up in what was at the time the highest unemployment area of Britain in South Yorkshire and it was it was a pretty it was a pretty grim place and I used to um, fill my time Knitting and painting stones. I, painting I, my pebbles. grandma taught me to knit, as I did my mum, and, and, and crochet from a really young age. I used to, I used to um, paint pebbles. I used to. We Same had a, here. We had a church, um, a, a very old church in, in the village I grew up in, which was in the Doomsday Book, and I used to paint pictures of it and watercolours and On sell floor. them in the local gift shop. Um, a little sort of entrepreneurial. Anything and everything. I w used to make myself T-shirts, knit stuff. Um, it was never fashion specific, I don't mm. think. And I don't. My my fashion it definitely most positively was not. <laughs> was really, really, really random. Um, sort of. I, I, guess I did a lot of crafty stuff for quite a few years. Um, some of it really very special looking back <laughs> um, and then when I when I got to 18 I did a foundation course at Doncaster which is where I met um, Alison McClellan um, who was on the same course and, and lots of creative people but obviously then I got introduced properly to textiles and fashion and actually I studied fashion um, uh, studied textiles before I studied fashion which would, is again going back to that real craft sort of um, routing if you like um, you guys are, you said in interviews before you had a slightly different sort of introduction to the working world of fashion it was from working with with individuals you work with some amazing brands talk to me a bit about about that period where you started you know actually like getting jobs with fashion people and I was working on five shows a season back then with like you know huge huge names out of that little producing pieces that are now in some of the greatest collections yeah, in museums yeah it's, it's weird yeah Sid's created some of the most iconic knitwear of, of the last 15 years exactly um, so some of the um, pieces that that have, have absolutely been crucial crooks moments in fashion and knitwear that Sid has created many of those single-handedly. Mm. I think, well, for me it was, it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a natural process. Well, I went to, I went to college, I did a very traditional route, I went to college and studied textiles and then I was, I applied for the Royal College and somehow got in, which I still sort of couldn't believe that, that it was happening. A sort of boy from Yorkshire, and you know, pinching myself on the bus going past the Albert Hall in in in, in London, which was so that far away. That there, London, and it, you he know, Billy and from that, I love Billy. Elliot. Yeah. And then from that, I um, I thought still, I think in my very sort of working class 
background mentality you know I would study for this long and I would get I was absolutely blessed to be able to get that sort of education at that level which was the you know the, the highest I, in my mind that it possibly could be to study what I wanted to do and then I would go and I would get a job mm. and, and I would work for someone which I tried to do and after I graduated I went and had lots of interviews in Italy and, and in France and all over and nothing nothing happened nothing happened at all so um, I sort of continued knitting and then um, was was sort of blessed enough to be introduced um, to um, a couple of designers then at the time um, through contacts that I had through the Royal College, um, which is then when I met Cosette and and I've never actually got that job. And you must all be incredibly proud of knitwear as a category because now it's something. It's everywhere. Yeah. It's, it's everywhere. Huge. It's everywhere. It's and also proud and a bit annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> when I first graduated from the Royal College, I mean, I remember sort of going through a hit list of companies that, that I wanted to work for. And it was about 10 companies that actually had a knitwear designer position. And then quite a lot of the companies that I was targeting, you know, they didn't have a specific knitwear department. Knitwear was like, you know, oh, let's do some bags, you know, let's do some jumpers, let's do some scarves kind of thing. It wasn't, mm. it wasn't a part of, of the core collection mm. for, for many, many companies. Unless I mean, you were Missoni and that now, was kind of yeah, it. Yeah, apart from Missoni. And do you think that it wasn't something that was also seen as having a sort of a fashion relevance? It Absolutely. Yeah. They were, it, was, it was about ranging. Mm -hmm. it, yeah. was about, um, it was about carrying colour. It was, um, it was about... Accessorising. Yeah. Yes, mm. accessorising. Oh, it's winter, so let's do a knitted yeah. T-shirt. Mm. And that's kind of how it was for a very long time. So, mm. I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's quite fabulous now to, to, you know... Knitwear is so huge and, and, and so varied as well. You know, the boundaries um, have just been exploded. I think. The benefit of, of, of it exploding is that... Um, factories that we work with are much more willing to to experiment. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Whereas you know the, it, it it could be it, at the beginning it could be quite tricky mm -hmm. to get them to do anything that was was not a grey V neck. Mm. Mm. Do you think it's changed the way that it's interesting what you were saying because about how young designers what they aspire to do now when they're graduating? Because and going back to what you were saying said about this idea that you know of working with your hands and of doing something that's very craft focused because I think I think a criticism that's often levied at London designers that it's very sort of perhaps poorly finished, it's very much about the concept, it's very much about the surface and it's not about the craft and that seems completely removed from what you're doing. And I do think you... that's a historical criticism. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. You know, when you've got people like Simone Rocha coming through, her, her work is exquisite mm. and um, that, and it's, it's equally embedded in, in craft, craft and finish. Mm. So I think that criticism was very fair. I think actually a, a number of years ago, when you look back historically at what was thrown down London um, Fashion Week catwalk, it's it cringeworthy. But there were huge dames that, mm. at, at the time that were throwing down awful, really badly worked stuff. But now I think that there's a, it, that tag is unfair. Mm. There's, there's a level of professionalism and pride in, in work and finish that's going on now. Mm. That, but that's that, because of designers like you. I think that, do you not, do you not feel a sense of pride? Yeah. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And also I think that um, it's, 
you know, that even from like, you know, the other levels like the BFC and the new gen mm. panel and things like that, I think they've also changed their mindset. It was yeah. for me personally, it felt very much like when people were chosen to do catwalk or to do presentation, it was almost that you were doing an open portfolio of some nonsense <laughs> that you would then be taken on board by a big Italian company like, you know, the diesels or the what have you because they wanted something London. Mm. They wanted a London vibe. And the London vibe tended to be very much about being straight out of college and having fun and, you know, and, and enjoying yourself. Um, it wasn't really about, to my mind, about building a brand or building, you know, a business. But now things have definitely shifted, mm. and especially for menswear. Yes, I mean, we yeah. were very vocal about menswear and how if it was going to be taken seriously it needed to have its own identification and its own like scheduling mm. we couldn't just tag it on the end of the women's wear anymore and um, you know LCM has been like a huge success for our business you know just having not only just doing catwalk and things like that but just being able to say okay it's this amount of days mm. and the buyers come and you know we're we're up there with Paris and Milan and you know it's it's been brilliant really brilliant it, it, and I think that was a part of the same movement where everyone took as seriously as business businesses rather than just because what happened before is that, that even within our own industry within the UK we were treated like our only job was to inspire high street that is not my fucking job that's their <laughs> job they don't pay me to do that that really angers me is that is nothing to do with my career at all when they want to pay me i'll give them work if they steal it they can go fuck themselves I, it's nothing to do with me and even our own media and people behind the industry were treating us like that was our only job was to create this this huge firework display of inspiration for people to grab and capitalize on well fuck off that's my idea i want to make money off it